Welcome, friends, to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm writer Luke Elliott. And I'm filmmaker James Bailey. And this week, we're just getting back from New York, so we're actually not releasing a new episode. Instead, we're pulling one from the vault. This is our coverage of 2013's Carrie, uh, that is a former Patreon exclusive. So thank you for for being patient with us as we are transitioning back from our uh, vacation. We both went on to New York City. Um, I'm feeling a little under the weather, which you might be able to hear. So it ended up working out well that we didn't schedule one this week. Yeah, it was a fun trip. Um, I'm sure we'll be referencing it, you know, in the future. Uh, we, you know, we covered Pinocchio recently and there was a Pinocchio exhibit at, at the Modern Museum of Art, MoMA, which was very cool. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about that in the future. But yeah, it was super fun to see Luke in, in person because we only get to do that once every year, or every every couple of years. It's not even every year at this point. It feels like uh, less than that. But yeah. It's good to see you, man. Good to see some family. Um, I We got to go to the White Horse Tavern, which was a cool, like, writerly spot where James Baldwin used to hang out, among others, like Dylan Thomas. Um, so there are a few, like, writer things we got we got up to. Um, we, we visited the place where Hamilton was, uh, where Hamilton died after he got shot. Spoilers. Yep. Um, <laughs> and saw Hamilton on Broadway. And saw Hamilton on Broadway. So there's a lot we could talk about, potentially. Maybe we'll talk about some of that in our bonus with... Uh, this month, which we should announce, we're going to cover the uh, Disney version of Pinocchio and not the live action, the original animated film that we both grew up on, which will be fun to revisit and talk about the history of animation with. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. It's a definitely a big Disney staple. So we'll get to talk about it with, you know, within that legacy and see the differences and the way that Del Toro wanted to sort of make himself make him make his film a lot different. Speaking of Patreon, uh, our very first quarterly project is going to be our next official uh, project we're going to dive into and it has come down to the final three train spotting to kill a mockingbird or twilight uh, are the final three and um, I would love for some new patrons to sign up and either help to save us or doom us to sparkly vampires where it's looking like it's a possibility a strong possibility there's still time if you're listening to this today it comes out there's still time um, it's a, you know, either way it'll be fine, but yeah, your, your chance to either, either make sure it happens or to prevent it from happening, uh, is, is Thursday. So don't wait. <laughs> I do kind of feel like it's an inevitability that we'll have to, that we'll, we will talk about this at some don't point. Don't say that. We, Someone could still save us, James. This generation, I think, you know, it, it, all those movies came out, all the books came out. I feel like it's a pop culture touchstone. So whether we do it now or, or later, I don't know, man, maybe we don't have to ever. uh but yeah we appreciate some new patrons right now that would be that would be awesome um the podcasting industry is has been really wonky recently and patreon has been one of the like consistent things we can rely on um so yeah we'd love to have some more support on there but yeah that's going to be it uh for this little intro enjoy this previously uh patreon exclusive for carrie We're talking Carrie, 2013's Carrie. Yeah, uh, we we watched the original last year, uh, actually just a few months ago, uh, and then we checked out this one. This one is uh, modernized in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, and I think for good and bad. I don't know. I have a lot of opinions. I j- I, I, I'm fresh off of it. I just watched it. Uh, <laughs> by a little behind the scenes there. I, I literally five minutes ago, like hit the credits. So this is going to be a very fresh reaction from me. Um, I know you've done a little bit of research. I know nothing about the background behind this movie, uh, so I am curious about that. Uh, what did you find out about... What, what's the name of the director again? Uh, Kimberly Pierce. Kimberly Pierce. Okay, so yeah. a woman directed. I noted that uh, in the in, in introductory credits, and I think you can tell as far as like male gaze stuff, which we talked about with the De Palma film, it feels, the, the camera feels less pervy, <laughs> and by less, I mean completely not basically um so that's a bonus um but that doesn't necessarily mean the movie's better and we can talk about reasons why yeah i'm i don't want to say too much because like i i have my own thoughts and then i also saw some stuff in the background of this but i I just want to get like general thoughts first like right out of the gate like what what do you think about this film like how does this stack up to de palma's film Okay. Uh, oh boy. So I haven't had my normal time to like really synthesize my thoughts. So I'm just going to be a little bit rambly here. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, it, I could I could tell there was a 
an effort to modernize, to use some modern um, techniques and the special effects. I think the the thought was like we can really lean into the telekinesis and show her lifting people and and show the objects flying in a way and like I I get that 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 sort of temptation but um unfortunately I do think at times it doesn't hold up as well as the practical stuff. We're both big fans of practical effects and and I can already tell here we are what uh 9 years later roughly probably a little bit less. Um and already some of the effects don't look like uh they don't hold up to modern effects. Um so so that's one thing that happens like it, it, these these CG effects t- tend to age a little bit more poorly. Well, and one of the main things with that too is like the amount of time that you have to because like I, I think there is a lot of uh, filmmakers that go into making a film and they see oh we can just CG this and it'll be faster but like having it shot correctly with the correct plates and everything that you need to actually make it look believable with CG like that that's another thing that you have to weigh so it's almost like a decision of like do it practically and it, there's a lot of effort there or do it do it with CG and like mi- take the effort on the day to make sure everything's perfect so that it looks the best that it possibly can seamlessly the- integrates with the with the CG element that's true i also noticed that and i've seen this a few times like the ability to do basically anything with CG it unfortunately i think can play into some bad habits in in, in filmmakers who who get a little bit carried away with what they're able to do Whereas the limitations of practic- of practical effects can sometimes keep things more grounded and make it feel more real because you are limited by what you can actually pull off in camera, right? Like you're not going to just go in later and put some wizardry in there. And and unfortunately, I think that the, that can lean into some bad tendencies. It's like you almost give people too much freedom um, and then they kind of don't know what to do with it and, and maybe go over the top. And in, in ways this movie felt like it... Uh, it kind of jumped the shark to use a, you know, a cliched phrase, but like a, a little bit too much early with some big effects and big moments of her flying and lifting and, and all these things that in the other movie, they, I felt like De Palma really kind of uh, waited to show a lot of the bigger effects. And even then they, they were more grounded. And because of that, um, this, this, I don't know, like it, 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 it led to... Okay, so ultimately my point about this movie is is not one of special effects purely. I'm not a special effects person, and, and I shouldn't harp on it too much. Um, I, I think that's a piece of the problem. Um, the movie itself, I actually think, has a lot going for it throughout. I, I like what they did with Tommy in this version. Um, I, I found him to be the best Tommy, maybe, of the three. If we talk about the other movie... Uh, the the book and this I really liked this Tommy most I think, um, and 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 I have like little quibbles here and there about characters. Um, we can talk about the mother and Carrie's relationship, which is different here in in some subtle ways I think. Um, but ultimately I think this movie was gonna live or die on the prom sequence, and specifically the Carrie going off prom sequence because that is the that is the sequence that everyone who has seen the original grew up loving and it has become like we talked about in our episode horror royalty like like a legendary scene and unfortunately that's where this movie falls apart for me because it did not land and i i felt like it was a sad a poor attempt i know i don't know the attempt was there i guess but like misguided in some ways and 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 again, like they, it seemed like the director or whoever got too excited about what they could do with these special effects, and they lost some of the character storytelling that is very important to make that scene work. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, like I, I, I felt the buildup for that scene, and I was like, man, if they can really nail this thing, maybe this movie will land for me. I'm not sure it'll be better than the original, but it could be up there. And unfortunately, that's where it fell apart for me. Yeah. I want to start with things that I that I liked and then I'll move yeah. into and I'm going to I'm specifically going to speak about my thoughts and then I'll start talking about some of the stuff that I read. So, I liked uh some of the performances. I liked the cast, just looking at the cast as as we were meeting the characters, I was excited about it. Um and you know, I liked the idea of sort of when I say modernizing, I mean like in terms of like the social consciousness, like making things more 
like acceptable based on like how we feel about things because i think the 70s film has like a little bit of like you said like it, it, it's just like there's some weirdness from the 70s that's it was like a whole cul- yeah culture was different, different. Culture. yeah so that sort of updating i like that there's a woman that gets to direct and give her viewpoint on carrie right and um, it felt it, it did feel kind of more authentic to a woman's experience in in subtle ways uh it's it's hard to point to them all directly but again also that it was less exploitative in in sort of the the way the camera <laughs> was at the beginning well, and to speak of the camera, I'm, I'm moving away from things that I liked now a little bit. So <laughs> You said like one thing. <laughs> yeah, I like the cast. All right. <laughs> the attempt was made, but overall, I'm pretty, pretty like middling on this on this film. Like I yeah, felt like it, it was kind of a... It wasn't terrible. It was sort of like, yeah, if I had seen it in the theater, I'd be fine with it. I've seen the adaptation. Am I going to recommend it to people? Probably not. It's sort of, to me, a little forgettable. And that's a harsh thing to say. Like, it's a pretty tough thing because tons of people worked on this film and it's a bummer that that is the case for me. And, and, you know, I I know the tendency to to, is to be very forgiving of a lot of things. But um, I think a lot of the cast shines in moments. But whether it's their fault or 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 direction or something else or the way the character was written um there are other times where i was not a fan of the performances and it things fell flat and didn't sell um and and particularly uh chloe uh, grace moretz versus sissy spacek um it, unfortunately i i don't think she really ever approaches the level of uh of, of what we got from Sissy Spacek, which is, is quite iconic, actually. A couple of things I wanted to talk about with that. Um, when this was filmed, Chloe Grace Moretz was like 15 years old. So she's like age accurate. And Sissy oh, Spacek wow. was like in her 20s, I think. Yeah, we talked and about. That's, that's a fair that's a fair thing to point out for sure. And, you know, that's just something that's a that's a notable thing that I feel like should be talked about. Yeah. So like a true a child actor, really a child actor versus yeah. like a, an adult actor. child labor hours and everything they had to abide by with filming this film and everything like that. So as probably well. couldn't do as many takes of things. And, things and like then, that, if, and know. then of course, like sort of like male gazy stuff, like even if they wanted to recreate some of the like nudity and other things, you don't want to get into that with kids and stuff. So uh, that actually brings me back to another thought with the camera. And I felt like so much of this film was maybe either shot or edited to seem almost identical in some scenes like like it felt so similar going through the film uh that it almost felt like we were just getting a new skin on the original film there are there are notable differences new scenes new new like updates to dialogue and a lot of stuff like that but a lot of times i was expecting them to take their own look at the scene and and the, the things that happened but and it didn't feel like it had its own voice as much as I was expecting. It kind Man, of felt like you're you're so right on, and and it's like uh, we've seen this in other adaptations, right? Like other remakes of adaptations, and we talk about it all the time. Like if you're gonna do a new adaptation to a book, go to that source material and use that as your prime. Like look what Nitty Villeneuve did with Dune, right? Like he went to the book that he grew up loving and he said, I'm going to make an adaptation from this. And like you can say maybe there are some like, you know, references to to the other film. But like this, I agree, this was like directly trying to be a remake in a lot of ways and and, and visually calling back to that original movie over and over again. And unfortunately, that is not I don't think the way to go with this one. Um, You got to do something that's truly your own. And you could lean in more into what's in the book because there is some differences there. And yeah, and unfortunately, they they didn't pull it off as well is the thing, too. Like, you're going to try and do De Palma, but you're not going to do it as well. And that's, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, you already have that iconic film that you're going to try to, like, go up against. And, and the only way to, to approach it is to do your own thing, do something entirely different and lean into the things that, you know, you can do strong as a filmmaker. And that brings me to another point. This isn't that all of that was my thoughts. And then this is leading me into things that I saw after the fact. And the reason I said I don't know if it was what was shot or what was edited is there was tons of studio intervention. I was reading tons of reports on how many scenes were shot and cut, scenes that the executives didn't like, scenes that they felt like. So I think there was executive input to basically turn whatever was shot into a cut of Brian De Palma's sort of version. They wanted it to almost match up with a new skin on it. And I, that was frustrating to me so because I could feel that through the through the film. I, I agree. Was like, and it's like it's it's one of those things that I doubt myself because like I don't want to always have this 
sort of faceless boogeyman of the studio execs that I can just blame everything. This sounds like on. a bad case, though. This sounds like a pretty, pretty severe case. Man. Yeah, because I, I remember thinking, like, I wonder if studios had input on this because because this movie doesn't feel as risky as the original film did. It, it felt very safe. It felt very just like we're going to we're going to hit a hit a single or a double to use a baseball reference right like we're not going to go for the home run the ball was directly over the plate like <laughs> yeah. no sort of curve to it anyway and it's an r-rated film and uh, i was it reading is? that like the executives yeah it, does, it seemed pg-13 it did right and yeah. the, the executives uh were really uh adamant about wanting to make an r-rated film and it, feel, it feels weird to me though because like they wanted to make this like r-rated film so that they could say they made an r-rated horror like carry film to get butts and seats almost like because i think this was around that time period where people were like we want r-rated horror films uh, okay. and like this was an attempt Starting at that. to be that resurgence and then when things were different from what they were expecting and it was someone else's v- version of what it was specifically kimberly pierce's seems like they picked it apart and i, I actually have something i want to read here uh, shortly after the release of the film, a petition for the release of an extended director's cut of this film was launched. Fans felt that this would be a new adaptation of the novel if they added in the scenes that were excised. Some of the scenes included the White Commission, Sue Snell's video diary, extended scenes, and more social media elements. This information was given out by audience members who, att- who attended test screenings of the film and the cast and the crew of the film. Supposedly, there are 45 minutes of never-before-seen along with several alternate endings. This original cut was reportedly going to release on its original release date in March of 2013 before being massively re-edited during post-production and being pushed back to October of 2013 to coincide with Halloween. And also, the producers communicated with Stephen King, but he did not actively consult on the film. Stephen King was already unenthusiastic about another adaptation of the novel saying it was unnecessary when the original was already a great film. When he finally watched this version, he was not particularly fond of it. Yeah, and I can see why, you know, especially if you saw this version. That's a shame, and and it's one of those things where it's like, unless they end up releasing it, it'll always be like, oh, yeah, it was going to be so much better, but we we don't know that it would have been. Um, I do like the idea of taking it more in, in, in a different way. The social media stuff I thought was smart when it happened. I was like, okay, you're modernizing the bullying. You're making it more relatable to teenagers. And that, that kept bringing me to the question of, like, who's this movie for, you know? Are they trying to make a Carrie film for teenagers because most teenagers have not seen the original Carrie, I would wager. Um, and maybe some have the ones who are like, you know, really getting into old film and stuff, but I don't think there's that many young people doing that. Um, it's more likely Horror that. Fans. Yeah, this but, whole, but yeah. May, maybe, um, I mean, I, maybe I'm speaking because I didn't see Carrie, but like, to me, that's not one that like, I hear people like all the time going back to, but maybe they do. I don't know. I think they definitely do. Yeah. Okay, but but regardless, I still think if you're making a horror film for your average teenager, your assumption is they haven't seen it. And at that point, if that's your target audience, what's the point in trying to recreate a movie they haven't seen for them? And, and then also kind of do a poorer job of it. it well, it because it, yeah. the, the executive's reason is because it worked the first time. Yeah. You know, so they just want to <laughs> figure out a way. Exactly. But yeah. they want to figure out a way to recreate that, make money on it again. And that's because ultimately that's the that's the end of the day for a lot of executives is as long as it makes money, we're good. Right. How, how to make this thing into a cash cash uh, cow. What's the term? <laughs> I think that is. Yeah, that's the term. Uh, the golden goose. I don't know. We've dug into some of the film, but I do want to talk about Kimberly and Pierce real quick. Um, just to, to touch in on her. She is an American filmmaker best known for her debut film, Boys Don't Cry in 1999, which won the Academy Award for Best Actress for Hilary Swank's performance. Her second feature, Stop Loss, was released by Paramount in 2008, and her film, Carrie, was released on October 18th, 2013. She is a governor of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, and a national board member of the Directors Guild of America. Okay, interesting. So uh, she hasn't made a movie since this movie? No, she has three feature films and one one short film, and then she's worked exclusively in television since this film. And she's worked on shows such as American Crime, Halt and Catch Fire, Turn, Manhattan, Six, I Love Dick, Dear White People, and P-Valley. Okay, there's some good stuff in there. I haven't seen a lot of it, though. Yeah. Um, 
it, it's interesting. You know, I, I hope she gets she gets more chances to do features. Uh, you know, I think if there's, she wants to, if she wants know. to, that's true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing TV. She she like you know being a governor of the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Sciences and then a board member Directors Guild of America, like she's well established. Like she you know clearly has a, a good career. Uh, under her belt and that's why i'm sure that she was so like, i mean to have a film nominated for best performance uh for and and win is a, is a massive deal and like that's like she, clearly she's a she's a director who has good vision and understands how to work with actors so you know that's why this film is so frustrating and um yeah i mean to to know like that pedigree was behind this film is exciting in on paper like you see that and you're like oh my god i can't wait to see it and then it seems like executives and studios you know have to they they have to toil they have to tinker with things you know it's funny because like i wanted i wanted to like this movie more than i did i i I was like i hate this this sort of narrative of like these remakes will never be as good as the originals they're completely pointless never make them because to me that's just setting it up for a situation where a remake's going to be better (laughs) like if someone's going to do it in a way that's going to be like and maybe they already have if i think about it long enough but like well you already said dune well, yeah, or or like the thing, right? Versus the you know the thing from another world in the fifties. So like it, these are there are things there are times where it can happen, but um, yeah, I, I kind of it it felt like a foregone conclusion, and then like the whole time I was trying for it not to be true, um, but uh, damn if it didn't keep pulling me in that direction. I do want to highlight a few things I I, I liked. Um, I, I talked about how Tommy I liked some of the changes with him, and I continue to like them. Um. I, I liked I liked that they they brought the poetry connection. They changed it a little bit. Um, I don't know how much I love the change and having her like read this sort of fiery passage that foreshadows what happens later. Um, well, and it's also like biblical. Yeah, too. it's biblical. Maybe it was a little too cute with its attempt to be foreshadowy because it's a little on the nose. Like we all get it. Um, versus like yeah something that's a little maybe a little more interesting for her character. But I liked the idea of him stepping up to the teacher in a different way. Than he did. I felt like it landed a little better. I don't know. I, I liked that sequence, and in general, I felt some real genuine um, affection blooming between the two of them. That's present in the original as well, but um, I, I I felt like they did a good job to sell that that sort of budding affection. Even if, I don't know if it's necessarily romantic, but it may be the hint of it being romantic. So that all worked pretty well. Um, oh, and I want to shout out the the visceral self-harm stuff that Julianne Moore gets into. Um, shoving that, like, hook thing into her leg in the in the dress, the the, the seamstress shop or whatever she, wherever she works. Um, oh, my God. I, that was, like, uh, I drew, literally, like, drew away. Like, that was gross. And, and, and her, like, cutting herself and scratching herself. Like, I, I don't, I think that's a lot of that stuff is in the book, but it just... I don't remember it being in De Palma's film, at least not in this way. Um, it, it, it felt fresh to me somewhat, and it felt well executed, uh, definitely. Um, so, so shout out to that. Even though I didn't necessarily love Julianne Moore overall, um, I, I, it, I also didn't love the performance of of, of, of Margaret White, uh, Mar- Margaret White in the in the original movie that much either. It had things to go for it, but then it had other things. Eh. So again, the mother in the book, if I was going to give it out, I think the mother in the book is still the scariest and the best um, uh, version. Um, so so we got Tommy in this version. We got mother in the original book. Uh, Carrie, for sure, in the original Carrie, though. I think Sissy Spacek, unfortunately, this performance just doesn't really hold a candle. You know, you were mentioning Sissy Spacek, uh, weird some of these some of these things that I read into are are rumors some of the time like people create these myths and stuff but supposedly Sissy Spacek was considering coming back to play Margaret White oh wow no yeah. that would have been something that would have been interesting maybe right? if maybe if uh maybe if the script had been better maybe she would right. have done it we're talking we're comparing Chloe Grace Moretz and and Sissy Spacek and the, and the performance and the material and everything overall and you were talking about that prom scene the final prom scene and it was like I just kept thinking about how it was it was going for like more broad, right? Like I think De Palma's Carrie and and SpaceX performance is so like weird and off-putting and like intense and this is more of just like a girl a teenager gets superpowers in the modern day and she starts like flailing and and doing these things and it felt more like performative than it was like scary where like Carrie in the original felt so much more like intense and 
and like a like a ticking time bomb. There was a rigidity to Sissy SpaceX performance where she I remember her her arms were just like frozen in this sort of clawed look and, and there was a lot of eye acting, right? Like where she was just looking at people and things were happening. Whereas this was a lot more pointing, like I am a wizard, you know, <laughs> and I'm I'm summoning a weave from from Wheel of Time or something. It was a very magical in, in a way and um and while we're talking about these kind of weird things, I, I definitely want to talk about the uh, gym teacher, Miss Desjardin, yeah, and, and Judy, Judy Greer, Greer mm-hmm. who I like Judy Greer. And I, and again, I like Chloe Grace Moretz. I like Julianne Moore. I like a lot of these people. Uh, this It was just a weird performance for a lot of them, especially Judy Greer. I, she was like way cartoonish like way over the top in most of the scenes and yeah she was she was this throwback character from the book and in the original but that doesn't really fit in a modern she's like slapping kids and apologizing and wanting to like connect heart to heart but at the same time she's like that like for example ansel elgore's uh tommy like comes up and he's like they i heard they spiked the the punch or whatever and she just she's like really and then like continues talking to carrie like not believable as a gym teacher or whatever they're supposed to be um and and like again i don't even think it's judy greer's fault like i think they wanted to bring in like a comedic element to this character but it doesn't really it feels weird to me for that character to be comedic in a way i don't know yeah um yeah i I mean the 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 slap came out of nowhere um it's a holdover it was it was a holdover and then like it 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 felt weird for the character It, it, it to me it felt like a piece of the time like where this was a time where this was more common in schools. Maybe it was still frowned upon, but like it happened. Whereas nowadays, like teachers aren't hauling off and slap pe- slapping people. They'd be arrested for that shit. Uh, they'd be dismissed from their job at the very least if that came out. Um, and they try to lampshade that by like her, like uh, Chris Harginson's dad being a lawyer and yeah. them being like, you're going to go to jail and you're going to do this and that. And then she like strong arm, like blackmail strong arms them anyway. Yeah. And you're just like. Oh All gosh. of this would not be allowed to happen. Yeah, I got to talk about that, though, by the way, that scene. Um, I had a, a, a light bulb moment. I was like, holy shit. Did you did you recognize uh, the father? Don't look at it. Don't look it up. No, no, I, I didn't recognize Didn't it. recognize him at all. Okay, so there's a moment when he sits down um, and he, uh, he gives this smile and he's wearing the suit and he's got this kind of smarmy attitude. And I was like, holy fuck, is that is that Ellis from Die Hard? It is. Is it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's he has awesome. The, he, when he's wearing the suit and he gives that smile, and I don't know if it was like a deliberate throwback to Ellis, but God, if it didn't, it didn't immediately bring Ellis to mind, and and I had to I had to confirm. I looked it up, and it sure is. Um, shout out to him. His name is Hart Bachner, I believe. And yeah, it's, it's him. He's the dad here uh, of uh, of the of the big bully, Chris. It's so funny how these things like connect over time. Yeah, right. All these projects. Yeah. How about that Tim Tebow reference? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, oh my God. Let's talk about how this film does nothing to separate itself from the era that it's that it it, it takes place in. Uh, the music, while a fun nostalgic ride through like the the you know twenty thirteen. Is it? I didn't even music. recognize those songs. Like I, you didn't I, recognize any of the I songs. I think I. I don't think I, I recognize any of a few. <laughs> well, specifically like Diane Young by Vampire Weekend was in there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there was, was like when they were all getting ready. You, you oh, would recognize okay, it. Yeah, if you... yeah. Which was definitely a, a, like a reference to the like kind of a, again, kind of a poor reference, but it was a reference like, I don't know. And you know how I feel about like taking popular mu- music of the era and dropping it into a scene in like a big blockbuster or just a, a movie in general. Like you're, you're leaning so heavily on the other art and you're saying like, you like the song, right? You're going to like the scene. And you've lifted a moment from the other movie that is actually quite integral to what De Palma was doing. We talked about how I, I felt like he was trying to evoke the teen sort of almost rom-com, like going to the prom, like a romantic uh, coming out of your shell like movie of the time that I'm, I'm mm-hmm. assuming there were movies like this, that he was referencing that. Yeah. There's a little bit of that in this movie. I, I felt like only the faintest bits and it was more in reference to the original rather than an actual attempt by the filmmaker to say, I'm going to make a movie that feels that way too. Cause the Palmas feels that way throughout. Whereas this, this, I felt like early on, you know, with the change in the beginning with this like birth scene, it's immediately like flashing red lights. This is a horror movie. Um, and we get that from the from the jump. 
Um, so, so it's just a different, like if you're not trying to do the same exact thing, then don't, don't reference it because you, you've taken all the, all the sort of, uh, intention away from the scene. Yeah. Some of those rom-com scenes that you're, that, that like this was sort of referencing just a couple scenes, like you said, leaned into it. And when they did, it leaned into like, like a stereotype of a rom-com. So it's like, it's like you're, you're already sort of imitating another film and then you're putting in like poppy music and some fun like sort of cliche like getting ready for the prom type scenes that are that are in reference to you know the the original film but then you're also sort of losing some authenticity because you're it felt like so so similar to other rom-com stuff as well in a way that's like not similar in like the genuine way similar and more of like a cookie cutter way yeah you know what is it about there's a look to movies in this era and I still see it every now and then everything's like too clean or something like the something it's something with is a lens right it's something with the camera itself like what what is it color correction mostly lighting it's mostly flat lighting okay and it just creates like a and it, it, when i say flat it might be a little harsh more just like um typical lighting like just what light the scene well light the subject well make it look good and then shooting it on the cameras that we have now looks great. And so people think that that's enough. And yeah, like, it's like we can see the, the characters. Camera. That's fine. No, nothing really artistic is happening with the light. You're saying, right. They're, they right. move the For camera the because the characters are moving. They move like there's no motivation in terms of like the director saying like the camera's currently moving because we're trying to subliminally feed you this or that. It's more just like coverage is what mm-hmm. they call it in the industry is like getting the, getting the shots that you need to deliver the message to the audience so they can follow what's going on yeah. and then you get creative from the coverage you start to get your other shot like things that that add in that extra layer of like subtext there are and, moments like, of that i don't want to paint with too broad broad a brush but it, it's just like a it's the amount it's the percentage of the movie that felt like it was it was being crafted from an artistic perspective versus like yeah just kind of getting the job done and I don't know if that comes down to editing and shot selection when you when you're when you're in the editing bay or whatever versus versus like on the day getting it all getting it all shot the way you need. Yeah. Um, so I want I want to touch in on a couple of things because um, we're not going to we're not going to do like a full deep dive into this thing. One of the things I, uh, I definitely want to talk about is some of the changes in uh, uh, Margaret and Carrie's relationship. I felt like this movie couldn't decide if Margaret White was a full on villain or not. Which is weird because you start with this scene at the beginning of her almost killing her baby. And and she's doing things from the book that are uh, obviously horrific. And I think the movie like kind of knows it is. Yet, um, and I, got, I guess there's a little bit of this in De Palma's film too. But it felt even more so like it was trying to rehabilitate her in some way. And make her like kind of right and, and kind of justified in some of the things that she did. Um, and... You know it, that just that just doesn't ever sit well with me. I, I've never liked that that take, and I was I was not happy that this leaned that into that even more. Yeah, I, I definitely felt a little bit of that too. Yeah, it was like it was like giving permission for like the more like zealot religious things to be somebody's take on it, mm-hmm. rather than just being like straight evil and being like uh, a child abuse and right. all these other things. Like well, it. Carrie brings up the Bible and like has a has like a, a throw in sort of Bible versus back and forth sparring match with her mother and saying like that's not in the Bible this is what the Bible actually says and 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 that stuff all felt to me like we're trying to set up this ideological debate about Christianity and what the right version of it is whereas to me like King's book always felt like lack of religion more scientific based right telekinesis being a science like a pseudoscience that she was looking into and and then the mother being representative of conservative religious belief and how that it, against science is the is the main uh, uh antagonist right the main the main conflict and here it's shifted almost in the different versions of christianity and religion is kind of at war with each other but because of that it elevates it to this or not elevates, but like it, it changes it into being more like a struggle between two different theologies or interpretation of theology, and and that's that's less interesting to me personally. So maybe that's part somewhat maybe where I'm coming from as a viewer, but I I, I do stand by that I think the book's version of that is stronger. 
it feels like it's like reinterpreting King's work, which, like you said, is like ab- is sort of like anti-religion in in a sense, at, at least in our pers- my perspective of it, is like like it's it's not about that for this story. And then this is like reinterpreting it more as like, well, you know, just don't be a zealot. You can be religious, but just like be sort of more more don't moderate. Don't misconstrue about it what stuff. God says. Right. That's but where that's the real not problem the point is, of the right? original story, no. and that sort of muddies the waters, like you said. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Um, and then, okay, so the other thing we got to talk about more is this this scene in the, in the prom. Um, there are just multiple places where I think it, it went, 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 went astray. Um, one of them is if you're going to try and do something, where was the most iconic movie, point in the whole movie, I think? Like the look of Carrie with the flames like arching behind her and blooming behind her in this in this like really spectacular way. We had a really sad imitation of that with a couple of curtains burning. And like, I don't know if that's like a danger thing and maybe having a young actor. And I don't know. I, I, I would have thought you could find a way to stage that and make it look good. But that that moment, I was like, that was the moment where I was waiting for it to hit. And it just totally whiffed. Um, and then the change in carry, um, which I think is partially from. OK, so there's a couple things that happen. Uh, Tommy gets knocked unconscious by an empty barrel, uh, an empty bucket, which doesn't make as much sense. I guess it could knock you out, but like a bucket that's full of blood when it hits you in the head, like he might've been dead right in, in the, in the, in the book and in the other original movie, which is like the implication we got here. Whereas here I was like, I felt like he was just knocked out. I don't know. I didn't think he was dead. I I thought he was dead in this film. Like, I guess I just didn't buy that an empty, empty bucket would yeah, kill I you. I can see that. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Maybe it is a head wound, which you never know. But anyway, regardless, and then uh, they had Carrie go to him and and get like enraged by him being unconscious. And I, I don't remember. Does she actually go to him in the original movie? No, Do you remember? In, the, in the book. I, oh, in the original movie. I don't think so. I, I don't, don't think, think that she so realizes either. that he's like, I think she's losing it because she's blood already gone. And doesn't even. That yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's a pretty big change, right? To have her, it's almost like she's avenging him in this version, which is a very different outcome than a reaction to this bullying and this this realization in her eyes, at least, that she has been fooled again, which is ultimately what it's about. We talked about in the book that it was sort. This is sort of can be seen as like sort of a feminist story, right? Mm-hmm. Like this sort of Absolutely. feminine like reaction to the patriarchy and stuff. And yeah. so for her to go back and like cry over this guy and then be avenging him doesn't feel like it's as like feminist motivated, right? Although they tr- and then what they tried to do is then they said, okay, we'll, we'll do that, but then she is gonna be like kind of sadistic in the way that she goes after people and like. She's like crushing people in the in the in the uh, stands and she's having these like snake uh, electrics go and get people. And she's like very deliberately throwing people in the glass. And um, it, it all felt more accidental to me. Right. Like she 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 kind of accidentally starts a fire in the original. She accidentally sets off the sprinkler system that accidentally starts electrocuting people and then it kind of builds and she kind of feels like, well, I've I've kind of already started this and she kind of loses it more and more and more over time versus like from the jump, I'm an avenging carry. I'm going to go out and get people. I'm going to get revenge on each of my bullies. And that was one thing that I read that Kimberly Pierce like wanted each person that bullied her to be like specifically targeted right. and killed in their own way and stuff. That's kind of changing the point of the story, right? Like it's about the indiscriminate um, sort of rage and, and and all the innocent people who get caught up in it. That's part of the tragedy of this moment. And that was undercut because most of the people get out in this movie, right? Like not, I didn't see like a whole, you know, the whole school burned down on all the people. Most of them were outside with the, with the paramedics at the end or toward the end. Yeah, definitely less. I, I don't think as many people died for sure. Yeah. And it was weird. And then like, again, like having her, I mean, she flies, she flies in this movie. No, this is this is bad. <laughs> um, and then like she's lit. She's repeatedly lifting people up in the air and like it's like too much too early. And then, yeah, I don't need to see Carrie White fly. That that was, uh, uh, again, just too far. All of that is to say when she got when she gets out, although I didn't like the erupting street, I felt a little bit too much. Um, I did love the abrupt stop of the car 
and um <laughs> oh, what's his name billy his face smashing into the 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 uh, steering wheel that was pretty brutal um maybe like the closest thing that i could see to getting an r rating was that that was pretty brutal um even though like, i'm sure you get away with that in a pg-13 um but yeah like i liked that and then um it did feel like a bit much with the whole like lifting the car up and then the hitting the gas station but then also having her face like weirdly stick in the glass and uh, maybe a little bit drawn out there so i feel less fond of that but i did love the the billy smash into the into the steering wheel so more like yeah more mixed there but there were some good things there were some good things um and we get more town destruction a little bit because we get the exploding gas station which we didn't get in the in the uh original film but in the book she blows up a lot of the town and causes a lot of havoc because again, she kind of completely goes off in like a rage that is that is that is indiscriminate, right? Yeah, yeah. She's just like a walking like disaster at that point right. in, in the story. And uh, getting to the end of the story, where she ultimately gets back to her house and her mom is waiting, um, it played out very similarly to the the original film. But yeah. thinking of it in in juxtaposition with the novel the original novel and still kill they basically crucified her in the same kind of way yep. that the film did which i still think is a good choice to like draw back all the religious allegory and kill her like like in that pose and everything is cool but like there's something also way more terrifying about carrie just coming in and like stopping your heart which is what she does to her yeah. mom in the book i don't know and i'm still not sure that that's going to work in a movie visually yeah. yeah it's not violent enough it's not yeah, yeah. Uh, but but again my, my my quibble with the way that they had her sort of somewhat crucified although not really like she gets all the like in the in the original movie it was a specific reference to this weird which which i wasn't sure if that was supposed to be jesus or another saint or whatever and you said it was another saint this like googly-eyed weird doll that was in the, in the, in, the in the closet that had yeah. a very particular wound set and then the wound set that she gives her matches that identically um, whereas here it was like kind of a crucifixion, kind of not. Um, and, and instead it felt like a reference to the original movie instead of a reference to something that is like in the mo- like in this film itself. Carrie White had to look at this figurine in the in the original movie over and over and over again. So it makes sense that she draws on that to do this violence. Whereas here it's just a reference to a movie that Carrie White has not seen. So. I mean, they do the, uh, <laughs> there's still the scene where she gets thrown in the closet and she sees like the bloody Jesus or saint or whatever. Yeah, but it, I don't think it was well. in the same pose, was it? It was, that was just a cruci- I crucifix, so. I thought. Well, it was, yeah, it's just a crucifix. Just a standard but, crucifix but pose. With a guy on it. Though, yeah, but bleeding. that's different yeah. than what we got in the other movie. There is, there was a particular, uh, wound pattern that was then exactly mimicked. So, it, and like you said, it is a reference to the film. No question a, about it, that. When a movie is referencing another movie just for the hell of it, eh. I don't know. And if it's not that kind of movie, like if that's not the point. Yeah, it just depends on how well it's done, yeah. Yeah, there's also um, this musical cue that kind of rubbed me the wrong way that, that kept happening where um, it was like an electric guitar, like starting to like kind of do a power chord. Well, yeah. And it was like trying to make it kind of cool. And like that just felt wrong to me. Like the whole point of Carrie's explosion is you you are supposed to feel like I wanted her to get revenge, but this is too much, right? Like you're supposed to be at odds with it and feel conflicted about what's happening because of all this collateral damage that plays out. But instead, this movie is much more leaning into the fuck yeah, Carrie. Like, and you're not really conflicted when she's murdering all of her bullies. You're like, fuck yeah, get them. And she even spares Disjardin and like Sue doesn't get killed or anything, which I don't, I don't think she does any of the other ones either. But my point is like, basically only the bullies die. And, you know, people that we don't like, I think, for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so so it, there's some some weird changes. And, and then just the execution of that of that prom scene was the most egregious. Like you have to nail that thing. And they, and they just didn't. So, yeah. And I have to say, like, while we're wrapping up here, tall task. Like, of like course, if, if if somebody's going around saying like, oh, we're going to recreate Brian De Palma's Carrie and, and do a new adaptation of Stephen King's work. That's a huge task. Like yeah. to try to do that. Well, I, I tell you what. What we would do immediately is we right. would go to the book and we would yeah. we would act Start as there. much like we could that we hadn't seen the other movie, and then maybe you include a reference or two here or there for like the diehard fans. But you start from the source material and you build out from there. 
what I, what I'm saying is like that's already a tall task, and then to hear that you know it sounds like she was trying to do her own version of it, uh, Kimberly Pierce, and she had like something that some stuff that she liked, and then ultimately they cut it down to something that was like just a pale imitation that's frustrating. Of, of the De Palma. Yeah. Like that that sucks, and and it's unfortunate, and it's one of those cases where. You know, I just feel bad for the filmmaker in this case. And, and like, you know, everybody involved, everybody worked their asses off for it. Ton, those, all the CG stuff we were talking about, tons of people worked overnight shifts. Oh, sure. And like, I, you know, I mean, it's, it was that... well crafted. Just because it doesn't always hold up over time doesn't mean at the time it wasn't well done. Um, but you, there's a lot that go into selling CG and and, and it, it wasn't sold the right way. And, and again, I think sometimes it gives the filmmaker too much freedom to do anything when what they really need is some some limitations because then it forces creativity within a within a box. Right. Yeah. Um, Either way, they need time. And, yeah. and I can tell that the production of this and I, I read as much as well that it was there was like, you know, it was getting pushed and rushed and things were happening, you know, just a tough, tough production and then tough like, uh, you know studio input and you know like uh, here's a here's a key example a mirror breaking scene mm-hmm. where a, a character is looking in a mirror there's I, I, I there's no reason to make that a digital like a, a cgi scene i read that they tried to do that practically and then it just wasn't working and then they had to because they were running out of time on the schedule they had to do it that's a, a bummer because like to me it's like why like why not just do that practically like but Jabalma found a way to do it you know I don't know. I mean, you maybe people get too attached to an exact look that they want, and they're not able to be okay with what they actually are able to get. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of like CG splitting effects that I think are eh in this movie. Um, but yeah, it, it, ultimately, it sounds like I'm mostly harping on effects, where I'm really not. It's it's more like the the culmination of the effects and misses in storytelling coming together because that you know ultimately the prom sequence is a big special effects sequence like no matter how you're making them whether it's practical or otherwise it's a special effects sequence that you're trying to sell her telekinesis and the power of it um oh another moment that i thought was way way uh jumping the shark like just getting way too strong and powerful was the the fusing of the lock like where did that come from when did she discover she could create heat that's different than moving something i'm sorry um, she fucking melts metal and then, you know, like never does it again. It was very bizarre that she was able to do that. And and again, just too powerful. Like it, it, she's doing this casually, whereas the whole point is the, the, the intensity of the emotion of the prom sequence is what brings out the true power in her um, for the most part. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I man, I, I I wish I liked this movie more than I did. I, Me I, too. I, I wanted to. And really, when I sat down to watch it, I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to enjoy it. I was like, let's see this different take. And that's that's my main takeaway is just like lack of sort of a unique vision on the film, and 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 like you know some other stuff like you mentioned, like um, the effects, and and you know we've talked. Oh, about the White Commission. You talked about how we actually got a piece. We we actually they, you you said that they cut a lot of it out. We got a piece of it at the end, and I was like, oh, where did this come from? And I bet you that it was going to be used like it was in the book originally. And it was probably a concept of like, we're going to frame it with this. We're going to start with the White Commission we're, and we're going to and we're going to frame it this way, just like the book does. I wish we could have seen that version. So if that's what they were intending to do, then that is a bummer. They cut a lot of that out because I think that framing device does such a good job. There's a reason Stephen King included it in what is otherwise a very tight novel. I mean, it is a very tight novel, even with that stuff in it. My point being, there's not a lot of extra space. There's a reason that device is there. There's a reason he chose to put that in there because one thing Stephen King knows how to do really well is to sell the unbelievable shit that goes on in his books as being believable to the reader. And he makes you believe that it could happen. And and that's something that I think this movie failed to do a little bit. And and like the building blocks were there. They just didn't do it. Yeah. It, uh... It would have been nice too to like pull out at certain times in the story and come back to the commission yeah. like he does. And, and, you know, I think that creates like cool foreshadowing tension. stuff, and, foreshadowing yeah. tension going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. And then if you're rated R already, like things weren't brutal. You rated enough. R. Like, <laughs> yeah, you rated R. Yeah. You know, you could have got some, you probably could have done some nudity, right? Like, I don't know, just do something a little more like challenging like uh, a little more risque a little bit more intense um instead this felt safe mostly i i will say this the pig sequence was pretty harrowing like they did a pretty good job of like selling that still wasn't like as i mean the book again that scene is way scarier in the book but or not scarier just like more more emotional and just awful um 
they made they really made uh, the Chris in this version out to be kind of like serial killery, not serial killery, but you know what I mean. Like she was, she was like loving the sight of blood and like getting excited by the violence and stuff. And like maybe you get some of that in the book, um, but they they definitely leaned into it here. This is definitely a, 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 a this is a middle of the road Billy. I think this is this is a maybe this Billy is a little scarier than what we got in the De Palma film version of Billy, who was a lot more of a pushover. Um, but it almost didn't go far enough because this is still a far cry from Billy in the book, who's fucking awful and scary. And and uh, you get this kind of middle of the road Billy that feels kind of bland. He he has some of the same tendencies, but none of it's really like explored in a way that is that exp- like explains why this guy is this way. And like, I don't know, we don't see enough of him doing awful shit. Maybe some of that was cut. I don't know. Um, but really, it feels like him and Chris are this just fucking awful couple that that is like a terror uh, in the book. And, and instead, you, you 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 just get the hints of that in this movie. Anyway, we're out of time. We're doing a bonus episode, not a full one. <laughs> um, so uh, ultimately, if we were to have to, to slot this one in here, it is it is definitely worse than the original adaptation um, and and also way worse than the book because I, I actually thought the book was the best. We, we I think we maybe this was a split decision one. I can't remember. Maybe we both went book on this one. I think it <sighs> might have been split. It might have been split. I'm not, I'm not sure. This is funny. I mean, later on, it's, this is funny how like a month later we might change our opinion sometimes, right? Looking back, it's just kind of evidence of that. But um I want to say we both p- picked the book because I think you picked the book and I was surprised you did. Anyway, I, we'd have to go back. We'd have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> Just right now. So everybody knows I picked the movie. So it's split decision. Now. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and you know, regardless, both of those are better than this. This is eh. and, and ultimately, like, I don't know if I agree with the idea that like movies should never be remade. Um, no, I don't agree. With I, that. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But this is the kind of stuff that will give fuel to that fire because you look at it and you say, oh, this is a naked cash grab by by the studios and um, they didn't, you know, they didn't take it seriously. And I, I don't know. It's it's unfortunate. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just fine. You know, it's not aggressively, like, bad. It's not hurting anyone. It's not. It's it's, it's fine. Yeah. And, like, it is what and it so, is. And it felt like it was made to be fine. Right, right? Like, they were like, let's just make a fine movie and it'll make some money and we'll all go home and, you know, not care too much about, you know, artistic integrity and making something memorable unfortunately yeah it's a shame but uh is what it is uh and it was fun you know i'm glad i'm glad i watched it and and i feel like i've I've kind of sort of completed that circle now i now know more about carrie as a as a phenomenon i know that there's there's i'm sure there are a bunch of people who went and saw this movie and it's the first time they ever experienced the story of carrie um and so maybe maybe people imprinted on it and that this is their version that they love um or love or hate who knows um but maybe that was the first time they saw it so it's important to see uh if you want to you know be well versed on this stuff and I, and we do so uh, i enjoyed it uh hopefully if you're a you know a big fan of this movie you can forgive us for not liking it as much <laughs> uh, yeah to each their own <laughs> to each their own i mean there are things to like here and, and you know there are things that could sell you on this movie uh that's going to be it for us and until next time keep adapting <laughs>